Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together. Tonight I've entitled this message, Wanting the Impossible. And when I say that, it brings me back to a, something that Jesus said. He said this, he said that when he returns to the earth, he says, will I find faith? And I think that's a remarkable statement that he would say that. Let me paraphrase uh, in my words what he's saying. When I return to the, to the earth, will I find people that are willing to believe? Or is it going to be after tradition and tradition and tradition and years and years and years and years and years, people will no longer believe for what's impossible? Well, I know you're here tonight to believe for what is impossible because that is what God has called you to. But you'd be surprised in the body of Christ how much tradition has affected our faith. Where people, well, meaning good people, not saying they're bad people. They have been traditionally taught and not New Testament taught, and they believe things that literally quelch and put to death their faith. Let me give you an example. If you were to go to an average Christian in a church and ask him this question, and this is the question, does God control everything? Most people, except in this church, would say, yes, God controls everything. Now, that's not true, but it comes from theology that comes from people who have tried to reason through their, their mind and explain Scripture, and they've come up with a, a, an interpretation from their reason. The reality is God is not controlling everything in this planet. He's not controlling the person who dies of an illness. He's not the one that is controlling the thief that's stealing money from you. He's not controlling the person that's molesting a child. He's not controlling that person. He's not hardening the heart of some and not hardening the heart of others. He's not doing that. Our free will is the reason why things happen in this planet. If you look in Genesis chapter 2, I believe it is verse 16, it says this, when God first created man, he said this. He said, you can eat of all the trees freely except this one. In other words, you choose which one you want to eat of. Free will. But a lot of, like I say, and when I say this, I speak with, try to be as humble as I can. And I've studied theology for years and years and years and years and years and years. I have two rooms in my house that are full of what theologians say about Scripture. Two rooms, not one, two. Not to mention a million references on my computer. So I'm, I know what I'm talking about. And what happens is you have a natural man who's trying to believe the gospel and they go to the scriptures and they try to understand it through human reason. Now, listen to this. 
The gospel was never meant to be understood by human reason. It was meant to be understood by revelation. It was revelation that got me saved. Because I'd been to church many times before, but this time when I went, the Holy Ghost revealed to me that what was being said was true and that Jesus did personally die for my sins and his Holy Spirit drew me. I was getting revelation. Drew me to give my life to Christ and I went forward and became born again. Every time I've had a significant change in my life, it's always come from revelation in the Word. Always. I remember one time I was in a dry place in my life and the Holy Spirit came on me forcefully and began to reveal things to me. And it changed my whole ministry as the Holy Ghost began to show me things in the Word that I'd never seen that way before. Every time, when I gave my life to Christ, the revelation of that instantly removed all swearing and anger and foul language that used to come out of my mouth just like water out of a fountain within a moment. It was revelation. Well, I'm preaching your revelation. And I'm telling you right now that you have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you truth. And if, you, if he ministers to you that truth and it comes alive in your spirit, you can move every mountain, you can move every barrier, you can overcome, I don't care what disease it is, you can be healed and set free. I could, I could preach the rest of the sermon on all the revelation that I've had that has healed me and delivered to me in my life. That, that's what the gospel is about. It's about preaching something that God himself bears witness to and reveals it to you. Amen. Are you ready? Now, let me show you some scripture. Look up in the scripture here. I want to take a story of a miracle that Jesus did. And I want to show you, I want to show you how revelation and willingness work together. Look at this. Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude blind, Barnabas, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him, which by the way in the Greek means that they were, they were threatening him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still, commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. Now watch the next part. And throwing aside his garment, very significant because his garment was used for begging. Blind people had special garments. He threw that aside. If you're blind, you don't throw things around. He rose and came to Jesus. Now watch this. And so Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. Oof. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now, I want you to see this story here. This isn't just somebody that decided one day to cry out to the Lord. Obviously, when he heard about Jesus, something inside of him told him that he could be healed from this man. And something inside told him, you get, if you get a hold of him, he's going to heal you. 
And so he cried out, and he cried out, and he cried out, and he ignored the voices that say he couldn't be delivered. I wonder how many voices tonight that you hear in your life that you have to drown out that are telling you you can't be delivered, telling you you can't get ahead, telling you that you can't overcome this problem, telling you that you can't ever have the kind of relationship that you desire. I wonder how many voices we have to cancel out. He canceled it out until Jesus called him. That's revelation. Jesus wasn't a man. He was a man operating by the Holy Spirit in his life. When he spoke, God the Father was speaking. Remember, it's God made flesh. It's revelation when he said, when he commanded him to come. It's revelation. And he came. And you know what's interesting about it? Is God knew that he was blind. Jesus knew he was blind. Everybody knew he was blind. But he said, what do you want? In other words, here was the key with the revelation. God demanded him to want it so bad that he would ignore the voices that say you couldn't have it. That you would ignore the fear of being trampled or the fear of being struck or the fear of being hurt. Now, I don't know about you, but it's one thing to have your eyes open and being threatened. Then you can block a punch, whatever. But if you can't see, you can't block the punch unless you're some super-duper kung fu guy, okay? So, he had to ignore the voices that said he couldn't do it. The voices that said, you will, in fact, have a new life after today. Things are not going to be the same for you, Barnabas. They're going to be different. And after the miracle, you know, I know it doesn't mention what happened in his life, but if you would just imagine with me all the people that Jesus delivered, it was the, the revelation led to living a life that was physically impossible for them to live before that day. It was physically impossible. And I'm just, to me, I'm thinking, okay, well, what would he do once he could see again? Maybe he wanted to have his own business. So maybe he started a little shop and was selling things in the shop, and someone came in and said, aren't you the son of Timaeus? Yeah, I am. I thought you were blind. I was at one time, but this Jesus I heard was walking by, and something inside of me said that he could deliver me. And so I cried out, and, and he asked me what I wanted, and I said I want to be healed, and he healed my eyes. And this is the first shop that we've done, but, but now that I can see, we're going to have a chain of them. We want to start in Jerusalem and go all the way to Rome. Say Amen. Every one of the people that Jesus delivered always ended up doing things that were impossible to do. Things that they were impossible for them to do, things that were, that were impossible for them to think that you couldn't do that. That's what revelation of God's word does. But you got to be willing. God doesn't twist your arm and say, come on, you're going to get saved tonight. Oh, I don't want to. No, come on. He doesn't do that. 
Now, a lot of people preach that he does, that God moves on you in such a way that you don't really have any choice, and you're like, okay. The problem with it is it's error, number two, number one. Number two, it takes responsibility off you to be willing. you got to be willing and obedient to eat the good of the land. You know what happens to a person who loses willingness? They eventually will disobey God. All right, baby, 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 baby. I'll do what you want. I don't really like it. I hate it. But I'll do it. That's only going to happen so long. Then you're going to put your foot down and say, no way, I'm not going to do it at all. That's what happens on a job or anything else. You've got to have this maintaining of this willingness towards the revelation that God has given you. And he's given every one of you a revelation. If you're here tonight, something inspired you. Somehow God has spoken to you over the years. That revelation is what makes such a significant difference. And if you stay willing towards the things that God has said to you, this is prophetic, listen to me. God only has to reveal it to you one time. And because it is a living word, it stays active for the rest of your life. Am I preaching to the, come on. Are you getting a hold of what I just said? Whatever he's revealed to you, that stays active and powerful for the rest of your life. It's a living word. Listen to what David says in 1 Chronicles 28 9. Here's what he told his son that he had learned for many, many years how to look at God. Look at this. As for you, my son Solomon, Know the God of your father, serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. Say willing mind. In other words, you stay willing. For the Lord searches all the hearts and understands all intents of the thoughts. Watch this. If you seek him, he will be found by you. Now watch this. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off. How long? I said how long? Forever. In other words, this willingness isn't just in crisis. It isn't just when you have a terrible problem. You have to stay willing in the Word all your life, or He'll cast you off forever. I didn't write it. David did, who is a man after God's own heart. Amen? Amen. So we, we need to be people that will do what Paul told Timothy. Stir up the gift within you. He didn't say that God would stir it up. He said, you stir it. Now, once you stir it, God starts moving. But you've got to stir up what God initiated in your life. What do you initiate in your life? What is it directed in your life? You've got to stir that up inside of you. Jude says this, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. didn't say God would do it for you. It said, you pray in the Spirit. You build yourself up. God will infuse it. God will empower it. God will give joy to it. God will give peace to it. And it'll open doorways into the supernatural. But you've got to be willing to do it. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. God is in the driver's seat. That's what we've been told, isn't it? But he's not. We're in the driver's seat. He's in the passenger side. 
with an iPhone giving you directions. You're the one that steers the ship. You're the one that puts the accelerator down. You're the one that brakes. You're the one that turns on the turn signal. You're the one. You're just following the leading of the Spirit in your life. You are driving your car into the future. And hopefully you got Jesus in the car. Or you'll get lost. Amen. There's no way you can get lost in the, in the world now with phones and cars. The only thing my car doesn't do is say, I'm sorry, I'm not going that direction, and turn around and go there. And I, I bet you in 10 years it will just do that. You are driving. Whew. So if your life is sour, maybe what you need to do is get into his word, have God speak to you about his word. And let him begin to lead you in the area that he's revealed himself to you in. And he will reveal it to you. If you seek him, you'll what? Find him. He didn't say, if you seek him, I'll never see him. If I go to church all my life, seek him, he never talks to me. Didn't say that at all. And this was a time that David said that, that no one possessed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit simply came on people. And he said that, imagine in our day, he abides in us. Whew, that's so powerful. Now watch this, Psalms 15, 115, uh, 15, look at this, put it on the screen. The Lord, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has given to him, given to the children of men. Now a lot of people don't understand this. There's verse that says the earth and the fullness of belongs to God. Here it says the earth belongs to us. Look at it this way. Everything belongs to God, obviously. But the earth belongs to the children of men because we are stewards of it. God made us stewards of his creation. Stewards of it. In other words, we're the ones that are going to cause it to succeed. We're the ones that are going to cause it to fail. We are stewards of it. God gives us talents and gifts that we are to use within his kingdom and bring that out. And if you don't think your prayer life and the revelation of God's word can change your future, you talk to King Hezekiah and ask him about how God lengthened his life. And you'll find him telling you the story that, hey, I had a sickness, you know, I was in my prime. You know when, you know when Hezekiah got sick, he was 36 years old, he was in his prime. He was in that perfect thing. Man, he had power. He had wealth. Man, he's in his prime. Sickness comes on him. God sends a prophet to him and says, get your house in order. You will die and not live. He didn't say what the psalmist said. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. He said just the opposite. You're going to die and not live. Get your house in order. And Hezekiah was 36 years old in his prime. He probably thinking to himself, that's not right. And he turned and he used his faith, reminded God of all the things that God had revealed to him, all the things that God had awakened him to, all the things that he had done since he knew God. And you know what the, God did? Sent back the prophet and said, God's going to give you additional 15 years, plus he's going to end the war that you're in right now. Hallelujah. And you're going to be able to hand it over to your son, Manassas, later. 
what would have happened if Hezekiah was a Baptist? There's no slam on Baptist. But he probably would have said, this is just the Lord's will. I'm not going to fight the Lord's will. I'm just going to submit to it. When the prophecy was revealing what would happen if you didn't believe in the impossible. In other words, if you don't believe, your future is different than if you believe. If you just accept it and say, that's just my lot in life, you know, I'm going to be in trouble, you know, and, I, you know, at least I'm going to be in paradise, and that's all great. But wouldn't it be better to live longer? I remember I was reading a guy, and he was talking about this miracle of being added 15 years. And he said, you know, Hezekiah, he missed God. He should have just accepted it and died. Because look at here, it says later on he got a little prideful in his life. What, are you out of your mind? He still lived an extra 15 years. And think what would have happened if he hadn't prayed. War would have continued. Imagine all the people that would have died. They would have gone to their son's funeral. All the mothers have to bury their own sons because of war. That was ended because he dared to believe in the impossible. Do you dare to believe that something great is going to happen in your life that is not just getting by? Well, I'm like everybody else. I'm just average. No, you're not. I keep telling you, you wouldn't be in this church if you were average. God calls winners into this church. He calls people that are called to something great in their life to this church. He's not, come on. You are the apple of God's own eye. You've been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You've been wonderfully made by God. You have special gifts and talents that are designed not only for your life, but for those around you. You've been called to be blessed, not just have blessings, but become a blessing and bless other people. Oh, my Lord. Do you see that? you got to grab a hold of that. So many people are just put down. They're just put down. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I just see God the Father up there just shaking his head. Oh, that stupid preacher. I never shared that to him. He's got to quit thinking. His thinking is wrecking my message. And every so often, God is merciful. And he'll awaken the stupid preachers. I was a stupid preacher for a little while. Amen? Until God awakened me and showed me to preach from revelation not from reason revelation you're here tonight because i'm birthing something inside of you or in other words the holy spirit is that can change your life forever it's not just another great message with whatever it is to change your life forever i'm talking about god's best here in his word going back into fight and faith you don't have any idea what you're going to birth you have no idea what kind of blessings going to come through you god doesn't look for people that got it together he looks for people that that never had it together, so we're in perfect condition. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, all right. I know I'm getting a little wound up here, but I want you to see this truth from the bottom of my heart. Amen? He was in his prime and he lost it. I want you to make this mental note. In heaven right now, there is a court in session, heavenly court in session. 
Jesus said, every idle word that you say, you'll be held accountable. You'll be held accountable. Every idle word that we say will be held accountable. Jesus said, if you judge your brother, you will be judged. Which with measure you judge, it'll be measured back. There's a, there's a session in heaven where God has to dish out justice and judgment because we weren't willing to obey. We weren't willing to submit. We weren't willing to guard our mouth. We weren't willing to ignore what we feared. We weren't, and he has to allow certain things that he doesn't want into your life. I'm a faith preacher. I'm guilty as charged. No doubt about it. God changed my perspective many years ago. Now, I was like so many people that studied religion. I was studying everything, and it just had no victory in it. Had no victory. The only victory it had was in the life to come. No victory here. Till the Lord began to show me things. John 10, 10. How God, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. And right then I realized scarcity is not God's will. Scarcity is not God's plan for my life or your life. But many people in today's culture are into scarcity. All they see is what's wrong, and they don't see the pearls of great price in the midst of the battle. They don't realize that when the enemy turns up the heat, the blessings become more glorious and more powerful than they ever were before. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God doesn't want us into scarcity. He wants us into abundance. Abundance, abundant joy, abundant praise. Why do they get up here and praise tonight? Because we need to get excited about praise. Don't worship like you're dead. Worship like you've just been resurrected, that you're like Lazarus, you were wrapped up, and Jesus said, come, and you stepped forward, and the bands were broken, and God began to give you a new life. Praise like that. Praise like that. Because praise brings victory. Praise brings breakthrough. Praise brings God's blessings into your life. Wow. Amen. That's what God wants you to have in your life. Now, I'm going to take you a little deep here because I, I, wanna, I, I don't want to just focus in on those wonderful blessings that we like. I also want to focus in on why people struggle living right. Amen. You don't lose your want to to be like Jesus. Look at the verse, 2 second, second Corinthians, please. 612, or it's 1 Corinthians, sorry. Listen to what Paul says. You got to read the whole chapter, but for sake of time, we'll just do this first. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Let me see, show you the context of this. Paul had some people in the church suing each other. Paul had some people in the church that were Christians that were being going with prostitutes. And right in the middle of that, 
he says this. He starts out and says, listen, I want to remind you of what I told you before. And he says, the unrighteous. And then he lists the things that unrighteous people do. Adultery, coveting, drunkenness, homosexuality, all these different kinds of perversion, sexual perversions. He puts it all in a list. And then he goes down and says this. This is before this verse is read. He said, and you were such. You were like the unrighteous a while back. But you've been sanctified, set apart by God. You've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you are now no longer unrighteous. That's what he's saying. So when he says in the next verse, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are, are beneficial, what he's doing is he's bringing them back to what gives them victory. And if you listen to me carefully, you'll get victory. It's that simple. We are not saved by the law. We are not saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. We are not saved in any way, shape, or form by it. Why? Because all of that is external. It's all an outward action. Murder is an outward action. Adultery is an outward action. That's what the law taught. And he says, we're, we're, uh, we're not under the law. Because when Jesus came, he destroyed the works of the devil by destroying the iniquity that was inside of your heart. Iniquity and sin are two different things. Iniquity is the jealousy inside. It's the lust inside. It's the pride inside. It's the greed inside. That's what that is. Sin is the opportunity of what's inside to manifest on the outside. But Jesus says, you're not, things aren't unclean on the outside. They're unclean on the inside. So Paul's saying, listen, I, I don't want you to forget that the way you overcome these weaknesses is not by external obedience. It's by inward obedience. Inward obedience. Inward obedience. Let, let me explain what I mean. Jesus was made sin in order that we might be made the righteousness of Christ. When you believe on Christ, you believe he died for you, and because he died for you, oh, Lord, this is so good. He imparted to you what he was, and that is perfect righteousness. That's who your inner man is. It's perfect righteousness. And if you believe that, it would stop the lust, it would stop the greed, it would stop the, the pride, it would stop it inside if you would just start believing who you are in Christ. Amen. This is powerful. Because in Christ, there is no darkness. First John 1.4, in him is no darkness. 
That doesn't mean you don't sin. You do sin. Your mind needs to be renewed. Your body has a sin nature in it. But the new man is made the righteousness of God. And when you realize you've been made the righteousness of God, you no longer have what? Condemnation, guilt, and fear. Iniquity, listen to me, iniquity works within a person who has condemnation, fear, and guilt. It works within them. They'll never be able, they might be able to not do something outwardly, but they'll never be able to stop it inwardly. You can go to churches all over the world that live, in many cases, better than you do because they emphasize the outward action. You could live on the earth your whole life and never commit outward murder in your life, but you could be a murderer walking around the streets. Always hateful, always resentful, always anger. Or you could never commit external adultery with another woman and you could be faithful to your wife all your life and still walk around and lust after everything with shorts on or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. In other words, the external doesn't mean you're not sinning. You, the only way to stop what's inside is to believe what Jesus said about you. Jesus said, you're the righteousness of God. Think about how Jesus delivered the woman that was caught in adultery. He ran off all the accusers by writing something on the ground we don't know. Maybe it was a list of all their sins. I don't know. But he said he was out of sin, cast the first stone, and they left from the oldest to the youngest. Why? Because older people sin more. We've been around longer. Amen? And then he looked to the woman. He says, where are your accusers? I don't know, Lord. And he said, I didn't come to condemn you. Go and sin no more. Right then, you know what he did? He took the root of her unfaithfulness out of her. Because I don't know what happened with her, but I'll guarantee you she is probably an adulterous woman because she lived in condemnation, fear, and guilt in her life. Maybe she was molested as a child. Maybe men had had their way with her, and she felt dirty. She felt cheap. She felt cheated. She felt like she was nothing, that she was a sleazeball, whatever. And that's the reason why she ended up in bed with this other guy. But Jesus removed that condemnation right out of her. And said, now go sin no more. Because if you can cure it on the inside, it will not happen on the outside. Hallelujah. Say amen, everybody. So there's, there, there's power in this that I want you to see because that's the difference between real gospel and religion. Religion says, okay, you got to look this way, and here's a few things I never want you to do outwardly. And you walk around, and you're full of pride, you're full of arrogance, you're full of lust, you're full of creed, and you're just keeping this little list on the outside, and you're forgetting about the inside. The inside can only be cured by believing on Jesus. Just believing on Jesus. 
just believing that Jesus died for you, and because he died for you, he's imparting to you everything he is. Free, without works. Just believe. If I can just get the drug addict to believe in Christ and God changes them on the inside, he's going to, wait a minute, I can go to God and get grace for this problem. God can help me with this. God's not going to run me off because I've made all these mistakes. God made me the righteousness of God. I can run in there and get mercy, and he can leave and be delivered in his life. You want revelation? That's revelation. You want to get free from adultery, free from greed, free from that? You got to know who you are in Christ. You got to believe on Jesus. Jesus is the one that makes you clean. Jesus is the one. Oh, hallelujah. He can give you a breakthrough in your life. Breakthrough in your life. Whew. Man, that is really, to me, stirs me up. I need to stay willing to believe what Jesus says I am. I got to be willing to say, wait a minute, I, I may have screwed up, but I'm still a saint, not a sinner. Yeah. 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 It's true. Read your Bible. In Corinthians, he calls them saints. And they had all kinds of problems. Much more than most of us are familiar with. Amen? You read the epistles. He wrote it to the saints. Oh, I thought the saints were people that were martyred and all that. No, just being average. Christian, someone that works a job 40 hours a week, someone that's raising a family because of what Jesus did. Woo, glory to God. I love this. There's power in this. So I wanted you to see that because if you're always walking around condemned, what you're doing is you're activating the iniquity. You're activating it. Anyone that's walking in fear and guilt and condemnation is sinning on the inside. Because it's their nature to do that. Eliminate it through faith in Christ, and you can begin to believe what God has called you to be. You can begin to destroy it. Hallelujah. You know, when I deal with marriages that are struggling, it's always the same. The reason why they can't recover or get better is one of two reasons. One, there's someone in the marriage who's not willing to do God's will in the marriage. Or if both are not willing to work on it, it won't work either. But if you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, I'm willing to follow you, I'm willing to serve you, I'm willing to commit my life to you forever and ever, whatever you say, I'm willing to do it, Lord. If that's the case, you're going to always fix the relationship. I want you to stand to your feet right now, and I want to release something on you that I think will help you. I want you to lift your hands up to heaven right now. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, he's already started, by the way, to continue to awaken within you your will to do his will. Heavenly Father, thank you by your spirit and power. Your presence shows up you influence my will 
you move on my will. Father, awaken, 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 awaken these people to your purposes and plans. And Lord, cause that willingness to be awakened inside of them. The willingness that's inside of them that wants to see better days, that wants to see their life transformed, that wants to see their life sold out, that wants to see their life blessed beyond measure. Oh, Father, we give you praise for it. We give you praise for it. You remember the man that was at the pool of Bethesda? He had been there 38 years, waiting for the angel to stir the water so that he could get in. Year after year, he missed his opportunity. And Jesus, obviously led by the Father, went to that pool because there wasn't anyone else that got healed that day but him. And I'll never forget what Jesus said to him. He said, do you want to be well? What was he doing? He was awakening. Something that because of disappointment and discouragement year after year after year after year had waned cold. And as soon as he said it, all of a sudden it was awakened inside of him. Yes, I do. I do want to. I do want to be able to run again. I do want to be able to climb again. I do want to be able to go for walks again. I do want to be able to go swimming again. It awakened it. And then Jesus said something. And it was revelation. He said, "Take up your bed and walk." In other words, I'm asking you to believe that you can do something that you've not been able to do before. Something that is impossible in the natural. I'm asking you to believe that you can do something. Someone needs to receive this right now. God is asking you to do something that seems impossible. Receive the Spirit right now. Receive the Holy Spirit right now. Receive the Holy Spirit right now. Receive the Holy Spirit right now. Oh, Lord, release it. Release it. Release your Spirit, your power, Lord, to do what seems to be seems to be impossible. Father, we give you praise for this. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.